Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Eat Sleep Podcast Repeats. My name is Dave Taylor, and in this episode, we're going to look back at the amazing career of Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, who passed away on March 14th. Scott Hall was a guy that uh, was very charismatic. Just the way he carried himself was was always incredible. The guy that, uh, you know, kind of came to be as Razor Ramon in the early 90s and in WWE in 1992 and got an amazing push and had uh, quite a run uh, winning a number of Intercontinental Championships for leaving and going to the WCW and getting the New World Order started. Just... Uh, Incredible how everything kind of aligned for this guy. Uh, he, he did run into some demons and everything else. And, um, you know, by the time he came back to WWE in the early teens, it was, it was different. It was, uh, you know, more nostalgia and everything else when the NWO came back to WWE. But where did it all begin? For Scott Hall. Well, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, I just want to run a couple of things here. Again, we are Eat Sleep Podcast. Repeat, FM 99 and 106.9 The Fox's only wrestling podcast. You can find us at FM99.com or 106.9TheFox.com under the media tab. That's one place where you can find some of our episodes. You can also find us. Many different podcast apps. Maybe that's what you're doing right now. SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. And give us a review if you can. Uh, that would be great. Appreciate that. And um, you can always find us on social media at ESPR99 on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also email us, ESPR at FM99.com. So more about the legend Scott Hall. Scott Hall got to start in the 80s. And uh, he was trained by Hiro Mastuda. And uh, he, he got kind of got going in, in AWA. Had a, a good four-year run there. And uh, one guy that was a big component for his career was Larry Zabisco. And uh, Larry uh, kind of looked out for him, and uh, which was a big reason why uh, when they were in WCW together, you know, Zabisco uh, kind of had a run at uh, at the guys in the NWO. It's kind of uh, Scott Hall, you know, paying back uh, Zabisco, and it worked out well for Zabisco at the time. But in AWA, he also uh, won the tag team championship with Kurt Henning. And AWA, and those guys were uh, pretty good friends. And uh, they won the AWA Tag Team Championship in 1986 in a match that went 58 minutes long. You don't get many 58-minute long matches now unless they're doing an uh, hour time limit draw in AEW. But uh, they won the AWA Tag Team Championship and then eventually uh, lost those titles to 
the tag team of Rose and Summers. And that's who ended up being the uh, tag team champions over Scott Hall and Kurt Henning. He did have a couple of tryouts with uh, then the WWF in August of 87 and even in 1990. But he wasn't signed by the company. But in 89, he was in WCW for a little while. And uh, he was brought in by Jim Ross. And this was at a time when you saw, like, new guys breaking out in WCW, which was always, wasn't always the case. I mean, a lot of veterans in WCW guys have been around there or in NWA for a long time. But uh, there was a lot of new faces in WCW in the late 80s. And you had guys like the Z-Man, Tom Zink, you had Brian Pillman. Uh, I remember, like, Firebreaker Chip. You had these skyscrapers with uh, Sid Vicious. Uh, you had you know, you know, Mark Calloway, you know, later became The Undertaker. Those guys, um, and we still had your legends there, too. You know, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, and, and uh, you know, for the time being, the Road Warriors and stuff. But he wrestled as uh, Scott Gator Hall for a while in 89, and he was uh, basically a jobber. And, uh, you know, he didn't really win much. He, uh, you know, lose to... Uh, pretty much everybody. <laughs> you know, uh, the, um, uh, Sid Vicious, Mike Rotunda, Great Muda, uh, whoever else he faced. And then after that, uh, he went to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, he was there for a while and then came back to WCW in 1991. Now, he had a new gimmick, a, a new look. You know, he didn't quite look like, uh, you know, Magnum P.I. as much. Especially like he did in <laughs> and, uh, in AWA, but uh, he was renamed uh, what they call this new gimmick, the Diamond Stud, and one of the guys that uh, managed him was Diamond Dallas Page, you know, who played a uh, big part in uh, Razors and uh, Scott's life uh, later on. But that's when he uh, had the toothpick. And that's, uh, you know, yeah, the, uh, you know, some of the jewelry and stuff. And uh, according to uh, Diamond Dallas Page, she said that uh, Hall uh, using the toothpick uh, came from uh, being at the, uh, the Waffle House, where he was supposedly trying to flick cameras or toothpicks at uh, cameras with uh, Scott Hall. But uh, he couldn't because one fell out of his mouth for the uh, toothpick promo. But uh, the Diamond Stud, uh, you know, the Scott Hall, he, uh, <laughs> he didn't win a lot, but uh, he also uh, teamed up with a guy that uh, we later know as uh, Kevin Nash when he was uh, Vinny Vegas. They had a uh, brief tag team together in 1992, and he uh, was even part of uh, members of uh, tag teams with the Dangerous Alliance. And then... He left in uh, 1992. And then, not too long after that, uh, you know, he needed a new look, everything else. And uh, so where did this whole Razor Ramon thing came by? Well, you know, he signed with WWE and, uh, you know, he modeled his characters after Tony Matania from uh, Scarface. And apparently he got the name, by the way from Tito Santana because I asked Tito for a Latin sounding name that starts with R Santana suggested Ramon 
And Scott Hall brought that back to Vince McMahon, and the name stuck. Now, at the time, Vince McMahon and uh, and Pat, Pat Patterson came up with the Razor, but agreed that uh, you know Hall said, "Hey, that that should be a nickname." So he needs a first name, and then uh, you know they came up with Razor Ramon. But the vignettes were, were great, and uh, if you get a chance, if you got Peacock, and they got a nice uh, tribute uh, to Scott Hall on the WWE side there. Um, there's a, like a storybook time where like they show pictures, like a picture book, and they show these different pictures, and he tells the stories uh, behind these photos, which is just great because there's a lot of stuff I, I didn't know. Uh, and even at the time when he got signed with WWF, uh, his vignettes, they were all shot in one day down in Florida. And he's like, we didn't have a permit. We just showed up. <laughs> we just started shooting this stuff. And he's like, Vince McMahon flew down to do these vignettes. And uh, you could just see him. You know, he had the one where he's uh, he's walking. He almost hits his head on the, he's like at the fruit stand um, and uh, the scale. And then, of course, he's got the restaurant one, which I think that's my favorite one. You want me to clear the table? And then the one he's got the car and. Girls yelling at him, and it was just great, great vignettes. And uh, you know, usually uh, back then, you had a lot of different guys come in that got uh, vignettes. Uh, you had Skinner, uh, Steve Kern, uh, who who didn't quite have the success in WWE, and uh, you know, like the Bushwhackers had some segments and stuff. You know, there was always a ways to introduce these guys. And and for whatever reason, it just worked with Razor Ramon. He came in and and not too long after he debuted, he debuted in August of 1992. Which, by the way, his first opponent was a guy by the name of Paul Van Dale, who was uh, Carmelo's father. Yeah, Carmelo's father was a jobber briefly in WWE. And of course, he had the Razor's Edge finishing move. Now, the one thing that he did before this uh, match is uh, when he took up all his jewelry and gave it to the ringside attendant, you know, he, you couldn't hear him threaten the attendant. And he mentioned this in the uh, WWE uh, storybook, uh, picture book video. He says, uh, you know, when I made my debut uh, and I you know, told the ring attendant that, well, when I got back to the back room, they said, hey, uh, you know, we couldn't hear you at that part. So that became his thing afterwards, you know, with the jewelry and everything. That he was heard. You know, if anything happens to this, something's going to happen to you. And then, of course, he uh, flicked the uh, toothpick after that, and that became standard. Uh, and surprisingly, not too long after that, he was uh, thrown into the, uh, the main event picture because he interfered in the uh, big championship match between uh, Randy Savage and Ric Flair, helping Ric Flair win back the championship. So that started the feud. And, of course, uh, that was going to be a big match with Flair and uh, Razor Ramon taking on Warrior and Savage. Of course, Warrior got fired. And uh, so the Survivor Series match would change where Mr. Perfect became the opponent. And then at the Royal Rumble in 1993, uh, you had... Bret Hart fighting Scott Hall, uh, Razor Ramon. And it wasn't often that uh, Hall got, uh, you know, championship matches. He never won a world title. 
throughout his career. But he's one of those guys, you know, people are like, oh, this guy should have won a world title. Or maybe Kurt Henning, you know, but Kurt got hurt. Everything else, uh, other things going on, uh, you know, because you leave and come back, leave and come back, leave and come back. Um, Scott was just one of those guys where, uh, you know, he was great with the Intercontinental title, had good feuds. And um, after the match against Bret Hart, he uh, fought Bob Hacklin at WrestleMania 9, uh, which isn't a bad match. Uh, the funny part about that match is just the crowd absolutely cheers. Cheers for Razor in that match. You know, uh, he was supposed to be the heel, but Razor was the one that got cheered. And then not too long after that, we saw the kid. Uh, you know, he's the Kazakazi kid one night, and then uh, the next week on Raw, he had another gimmick, and then the next week he was just called the kid. And he beat Razor Ramon, one of the big upsets in Raw. Uh, I remember watching that live uh, with my dad, too. We just couldn't believe it. Yeah, this little guy won the match and beat Razor. And, and Razor was kind of happy because, you know, you know, him being the bad guy, it just, you know, kind of made him more angry. And, and you know, it, it did a lot for his character. And got him a big feud. And then over that time with with uh, the one two three kid, and then DiBiase getting involved, Razor became a face. He was already getting cheered anyway, and uh, it just worked out that he became a face. And then in SummerSlam 93, he had the uh, first match of the card in the pay-per-view. And he beat Ted DiBiase, and that was DiBiase's final match as a wrestler in WWF. Because he left, and then uh, eventually he got hurt overseas, and... And came back in a managerial and announcer role. But I was at that SummerSlam. I, I'll never forget that. And then fast forward to the next year. WrestleMania 10. And the first time a ladder match took place at WrestleMania. In the match with Shawn Michaels. That uh, a lot of people consider one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. And it's outstanding. It is Amazing with uh, what these guys did, and uh, and you know even Scott said that uh, you know the match went long, which because of that one of the matches on WrestleMania had to get cut, but an incredible match, and the posing on the ladder that happened that that wasn't planned. He was going to leave the ring, and Shawn Michaels told the ref of that match, "Hey, tell him to climb the ladder and." And raised the two belts, and uh, and that's what uh, Scott had uh, did to get that iconic moment that you kind of see now. Anytime somebody wins a ladder match, and then the next year, uh, the SummerSlam, they would have uh, the rematch, and they'd have two ladders this time, and uh, still had uh, quite the match. It was weird because there were some different rules in WWF at the time. You know, they couldn't hit each other uh, in the face. You know, no blood everything else, but uh, still uh, put on quite the match, and that was a match that Shawn Michaels won in return. Now, some things changed in 1996, because that's when um, you had some feuds. You had Razor feuding with Goldust. You had Razor feuding with the one two three kid and then uh, he got suspended uh, for drug use. He was gone for six weeks, so he didn't wrestle 
at WrestleMania 12. He came back in, in your house that year. In your house seven, he lost to Vader. Uh, then basically, you know, he was uh, he was on his way out. And, uh, you know, usually when you're on your way out, you, uh, you know, you lose a lot. Usually that's the case if you give your notice. Uh, at least like back then, you just you did the jobs. That's just uh, what you did. And, of course, you had the, uh, the infamous curtain call event. And, uh, of course, that involved uh, Shawn Michaels. You had uh, Hunter and Kevin Nash, Diesel, in the big event because that was their, uh, their final day in WWF. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were shocked, you know, what was going on. And, uh, and then Hall and Nash were gone. And according to Scott Hall, he went to WCW not for the money, but because they offered him off days. And you got to think, I mean, the house show schedule, uh, that circuit now is, uh, while still intense, is not like it was back then. Those guys maybe got one day off a month, but they would be wrestling every day, traveling to a different show. And, uh, yeah, you would get, you know, I mean, you had your raw like on Monday, like every couple of weeks, but that was always in New York city, but these guys were always traveling somewhere, going somewhere else every day. So he got more time off in uh, WCW and it was May 27th, 1996 where, uh, that's where everything began to change. That's when he appeared in the crowd in street clothes on uh, a Nitro. I don't know if I was watching it live that night. I remember seeing some of the other stuff happen with, like, Nash showing up later on, but uh, that was on June 10th. But, yeah, Scott Hall showed up and uh, claimed to be an outsider to where they got the name. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, they had, they had the uh, hostile takeover, slamming Eric Bischoff through the table. And then you know, it kind of seemed like, oh, hey, WCW and WWF are feuding at the time. Then they had the big six-man match to Bash of the Beach. You had the mystery partner, which, of course, turned out to be Hogan. And then the NWO was formed, the New World Order. And then, uh, you know, then they, you know, they grew. <laughs> you know, they had Ted DiBiase. They had, they had six, uh, you know, the one, two, three kid. Uh, the Giant was there. And, uh, you know, they won the tag team championships and, you know, did everything else. And then uh, one thing they did over time was, um, you know, Scott did have some issues, but uh, they, they took that real life issue. And it's something that, that's happened in wrestling a number of times. And they incorporated that into a storyline. And, you know, it just... Uh, I don't know if it was you know done to help Scott or whatever else, uh, but that was one of the things. Not uh, my favorite part of that, uh, you know. But then over time too, you know, you had the feuds with uh, Hall and Ash, you know, going against each other, and eventually, you know, coming back together. And then uh, you know um, Hall helping uh, Nash defeat Goldberg to end the streak at 173 matches. And then they all came back together in January of 1999 when the two NWO factions rejoined. Yeah, the New World Order rejoins, you know, with all 8,000 members. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that many, but, um, you know, it was a lot. And then, uh, you know, he fought Goldberg and lost that. Uh, he did beat uh, Roddy Piper uh, for the United States uh, Championship at the time, but he got injured. 
And then uh, he was out for months, and then, um, you know, trying to get the uh, band back together. This is 1999, and then, uh, of course, you know, Bret Hart was there. Everything else was going on, and then, uh, you know, it's going to be NWO 2000, but that didn't last long. Uh, Hall's last appearance in WCW was in 2000, and then, uh, you know, he sat at home, got a paycheck for a long time. Uh, he would make appearances elsewhere, even uh, showing up in uh, ECW house show, and even went to New Japan Pro Wrestling for a bit. And then, uh, do you remember when, uh, you know, God, this is 20 years ago, uh, and Vince McMahon uh, wanting to inject poison into the WWF, or I guess, uh, yeah, it was not the WWE yet, but I'm going to inject poison, and just one of the dumbest promos. And, uh, he, you know, so the poison would be the NWO, which, uh, you know, would help destroy, you know, McMahon's own company before anybody else. Of course, everybody forgot about the invasion angle, which didn't help. And Hall came back. They showed up at the uh, No Way Out pay-per-view in 2002 and came back as a new NWO, just to three members, not 80 of them. Um, you know, they cut a promo that night and then, uh, a couple weeks later, uh, they attacked Austin, Steve Austin on Raw, which would set up the WrestleMania match. Um, he did wrestle on uh, on Monday Night Raw when he uh, he fought uh, Spike Dudley. That was uh, his first match on Raw in like six years. But uh, yeah, he fought Austin at WrestleMania 18, and it was a pretty good match. And. Uh, you know, he, he, it's weird because uh, the stunner, he when uh, Austin first gave the stunner to Scott Hall before WrestleMania, uh, Scott went down a certain way and he didn't like how it felt because he was like, how do I take the stunner? And then he learned another way, which, you know, that's in the, that WrestleMania match because he took two stunners. One, he went down to his knees, he popped back up. You know, then he kind of did the flip thing. Not the flip, but, uh, but the, uh, the pop up uh, spot which was uh, kind of a cool way to uh, take the stunner, you know, like the rock had some cool ways to take it too. Uh, but um, then you had uh, after mania X-Pac uh, coming back into the NWO. And then they had the, uh, you know, the, the lottery, if you will. And then uh, Scott Hall going to raw with the NWO. And then after a couple of matches, you had a trip to, England. That's where they did the Insurrection pay-per-view. And then uh, not too long after that, when that trip was over, they had what they called the plane ride from hell. The very famous plane ride from hell. Uh, on, on the flight, uh, the story is that uh, Scott Hall was, uh, was drunk, uh, really drunk. And uh, some of the flight attendants on that flight accused uh, Scott Hall and some of her uh, wrestlers behaving completely uh, in an inappropriate way. And um, the story was that uh, Hall was uh, licking one of the flight attendants' faces, making uh, sexual remarks, and they did settle out of court. But uh, he made one more appearance on Raw, uh, wrestling a, a six-man match, and then he was released later that week as he had some ongoing issues. And we, you know, in this time coming back 
in WBF, I mean, you know, he wasn't going to be a guy, I mean, unless he won like the tag team championships, which didn't happen. But you know, at that point of his career, I mean, he wasn't going to be a guy that was, uh, you know, going to win any major titles. I mean, WWE kind of moved on at that point. You had The Rock, you had Austin, and, uh, you know, still had Undertaker there and stuff. But, uh, you, you know, you, you just weren't going to have those other guys from NWO win the title, except for, uh, of course, uh, Hulk Hogan, who did, uh, you know, but that was more of uh, the nostalgia run than anything. And what was it different in him, say, than uh, Scott Hall? Well, I mean, let's be honest, Hogan was, you know, always the household name, and the guy was incredibly over. <laughs> you know, Scott was a guy who didn't need the title to change anything. I mean, the guy, his promos, the hey, yo, and, and you know, the survey, and everything uh, through that time, which just people loved it, ate it up. You know, he, you know, there's certain guys that didn't need a belt. He was one that didn't need that because everything else he did. And just, you know, one of the more charismatic characters in wrestling. The guy was just uh, an amazing promo cutter. Just one of the best in the business. And very smart in the business, too, with some of the ideas that he had and, uh, you know, some of the stuff, especially in WCW, getting Zabisco involved and the fake sting. That was him. He was a part of that. Well, after he left WWE in 2002, so he wasn't there that long, he would show up in TNA and uh, on and off, you'd make a couple of appearances here and there. And, you know, and then he would show up in uh, World Wrestling Console in 2007. He even appeared in Juggalo Championship Wrestling, too, believe it or not. Um, he would make some other appearances that he would make news for, uh, including uh, one event that he showed up in no shape to wrestle in. And uh, it was kind of a, a very uh, scary uh, situation in that regard. When he uh, came out to the ring and was just uh, not in shape to wrestle at all. So thankfully, after this uh, bad experience which uh, happened in uh, 2010, by the way, because he got released by TNA. Uh, he went to rehab. WWE paid for it. And then he went through some other issues as well. Uh, even ended up in the hospital for some seizures. And uh, part of it, they were saying that he was uh, treated for uh, low blood pressure at the time. And one of the things that uh, helped him out in 2013 was Diamond Dallas Page saying, hey, come to my house. We're going to get you sober and work on your life. And he even um, had a fundraising drive, uh, helped, you know, pay for some surgery, some dental work, everything else. Helped getting, uh, helped getting him going again. You know, he wasn't going to wrestle, but uh, it, it did help. Uh, he ended up he went to the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014 as Razor Ramon. 
And then in 2019, he uh, he came back for the Raw reunion show. And then in 2020, he went into the Hall of Fame once again as a member of the New World Order. That ceremony didn't place, uh, take place until last year, 2021, because of the pandemic and everything. But uh, a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. And then we heard a couple of weeks ago that he was hospitalized after breaking his hip. And part of the story is is that uh, he was on the floor for a couple of days. He was uh, being checked up on upon, uh, by uh, Dallas Page, who took him to the hospital. And he had hip replacement surgery and then a, a blood clot, uh, unfortunately, was uh, dislodged. And Scott Hall suffered three heart attacks and at that time he was put on life support and then on the 14th of March last week his family traveled to see him and he was taken off life support and he passed away a couple hours later and they kicked off Raw with the you know the Scott Hall graphic and put together an amazing tribute video in, in Scott's honor uh, WWE has always done an amazing job with their videos and, and this one was outstanding and according to Sean Waltman this is from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter he said that uh, during the pandemic uh, you know Scott Hall loved to have social interactions and because of COVID he was unable to have that and uh, he relapsed that's what happened. That and that that just uh, didn't help. And uh, they said that uh, even during the uh, 2021 Hall of Fame induction ceremony, Scott Hall was in bad shape. Yeah, we lost Scott Hall. A, a guy just did a lot in the business. He uh, did some amazing things. Some great, you know, a couple of great matches. Uh, you know, the Shawn Michaels match. Was amazing. The feud with the one, two, three kid, of course, the New World Order, which was just uh, amazing. And of course, uh, the line that uh, you know came up, you know, there in his uh, Hall of Fame speech, which was uh, outstanding, was uh, you know, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. And that was the line for the uh, the Hall of Fame speech right there. In fact, I'll give you the whole line. Right now, because just, uh, you know, something to take with you. It's probably one of the best speeches from the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, there's been a lot of good ones, uh, but this line has always stood out. He says, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Thank you, Scott Hall.
That's this week's episode. Thanks for checking us out. You can find us again under the media tab at 1069thefox.com, rfm99.com, anywhere you listen to the podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iTunes. Thanks for listening to us there. Tell your friends about it. We're going to be uh, reviewing, or I should say previewing and then reviewing WrestleMania next week, and we'll go live on Facebook and Twitter. So make sure you follow us at ESPR99. Get the notification button because we're going to go live, especially with uh, post-WrestleMania results from nights one and two. Again, thank you for checking us out this week. My name is Dave Taylor, and as always, make sure you eat, sleep, podcast, and repeat. Repeat.